And well, and even like House of the Dragon, that's like royal rich people <laughs> nonsense. And that nonsense is incest. So like, it's all rich people nonsense. It's all some rich people nonsense. And here we are. And here we find ourselves in 2023. It Oh, yes, and it's 2023. How many times have you written the date incorrectly in these five days of 2023? Oh, a lot of them. Yeah, we had registration for spring court or spring mm. semester. Mm-hmm. And I think that I searched the incorrect year and mm. it caused an issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I've only... I'm pretty sure I've only done it once. I mean, it's only been five days. But I also, like, this makes me realize I do not have occasion to write the year when I'm writing the date very often. Is it? I will. Is that? Yeah. It's pretty much just like if I'm writing a check is the only time I really need to write the year on something. As I I (laughs) dip back into the world of the school and educating yes that I will have you do more have much more yes you have much more occasion to write the date and we'll probably, probably. <laughs> we'll probably have a higher incidence of um incorrect dates yes. as the year um progresses yes because I mean like I mean like I do write the date like if I'm you know I take a lot of notes for work and stuff so I'll put the date but I don't yeah. put the year as part of the date because it it's Cause not would... necessary most of the time yeah yeah anyway yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. Well, hello, listeners. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It is 2023, and is. I have a question for all of you listeners. How many times have you written the date incorrectly so far? I would like to know. Call in. Call in, yes. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or let us know you, somehow. You have ways to reach us. You know if you, you know what they are. Um <laughs> If you knew the number to call, you're wrong. And that's how you know, because we don't have a number. We Our podcast does not have a phone number, no. But you can leave a voice message on Spotify. Yeah. That's a thing that you can do. No one's ever done it. There's a, yeah. You know what, Erin? We should have like a, we should have like a, a contest, like <laughs> first person to leave us a voice message. We will shout you out on the next episode. We'll give you a shout we'll out. We'll give you a shout out. And we might even play your voice message. Yeah. That would if be it's, really fun. If it's like, you know, not like d- demeaning to anyone or, or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Basically. if it's not demeaning, <laughs> if it's not a million years long, mm. yeah. yeah. Like well, that. I mean, I do have the I do have the ability to edit um, sure. sound clips shorter than than they are, are words or in you, sentences. You know what? <laughs> or if you want to do a whole episode of our show, you so know, we don't yes. have to one week. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> if you want to come be a guest on our show. Please yeah. reach out. Let us know. We are yes. Anyway. I feel like we don't we don't interact with our listeners very much. No. Yeah. Probably because we only have like 30 listeners. <laughs> um yeah. okay. Well, what are we doing? <laughs> 
we are celebrating this year, um, 2022. We're doing our best ofs. Best of 2022, according to us. According to us, I think we'll also pretty naturally dive into some worsts of 2022 Mm. as well. You know, I Um, honestly haven't even thought about that. But if that's 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 on your mind, Judgy Aaron is coming out in full force. Judgy Aaron's coming out. (laughs) I can't wait. Um, But, well, (laughs) should we do our normal segment, even though this is a different kind of episode? I think we should. I think we should, too. Rhonda, what are you watching? Um, I am in the midst of an office rewatch. <gasps> and you know what? I I sprang for the Peacock subscription so I could watch the super yeah, fan did. episodes. And they're, so they're all like, I think it's like the first five seasons, all of the episodes are like extended cut. So they're all like Ooh. 40 minutes long or something. Not quite that long, probably. But like, they're all, Ooh. yeah. So I'm having fun with those. Because they just, most of them just have like, they're just like, it's not even like a full extra scene. It'll just be like the scene that you remember from the episode. But like, it's a little bit longer. And there's like a couple <laughs> more jokes in there. Like it goes on a okay. little bit longer. But yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I love that. I've been having fun with that. Yeah. That's super fun. And that's mostly mostly what I've been watching. I finished my Superstore rewatch and Aww. dove into an office rewatch. So those two very are very comforting in my mind. They do. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah. Well, because like Justin Spitzer, who created Superstore, worked on The Office for a really long time. Right. So like there's definitely like a through line there as well with like both of them being about workplaces and yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's definitely, I think they could even like, in, they like exist in the same universe probably. Sure. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Glenn would think Michael Scott was the coolest person in the world. <laughs> it would be like a Dwight Schrute, Michael but, Scott But situation. Michael would find Glenn so annoying. <laughs> Michael would hate Glenn. Because he's not self-aware enough to realize that Glenn is a lot like Michael, actually. Absolutely. (laughs) And then I think Dwight would have some issues, too, with, like, he would probably scoff at how much Glenn loves Michael, Mm -hmm. but then it would would also lead to some funny Jim-looking-at-the-camera moments where, like, Dwight also loves Michael Scott that much. Yeah. It's a whole thing. But you know what? You know what? I was realizing during this previous superstore rewatch is that Garrett is the Jim of Superstore and <gasps> Dina is the Dwight of Superstore. It's sort of. Yeah. And Jim and Dwight fall in love. Oh <laughs> Yeah. And so then I started I started to try to like match up the rest of the characters. Not all of them like match up exactly, sure. but I was thinking that Mateo and Cheyenne are kind of the Ryan and Kelly. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, they serve the same character function in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, I love those this. Were, those were my thoughts. <laughs> I love this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll di- we'll dive deeper into that later, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is, It's a theory. Maybe I'll make a TikTok about it. Ooh, do it. Yeah. I'll do that. That seems like a perfect topic for TikTok. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what are you been watching, Erin? <laughs> so 
what have I? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a silly thing, right? So Minty Project has always all been on Hulu, but there's yes. ads. Minty Project is mm-hmm. now all on Netflix. And so it just feels easier to watch. It so is? It just is, I think maybe just this week because I only noticed that, it yesterday. That's interesting. Is it still on Hulu too? I didn't check. I don't know. Uh, huh. Interesting. So I, of course, started a new minty project rewatch well, yeah. because I mean, if it's on netflix <laughs> yeah and like i still hold that the minty project pilot is one of the best pilots out there oh, yeah i think it's yes. incredible it's like a mini movie it really is and you get i don't know and <sighs> minty kaling is so freaking charming and fun and i just i'm obsessed with her all over mm-hmm. again whenever i start it so I started that again. I also, um, I started Severance yesterday. Um, oh my gosh. Which is so good. Uh, Severance uh, is on my best of 2022 list. So I was going to say. We can talk about it. I'm only 30 <laughs> minutes into it and it, it's already made uh, my best ofs. Like it's ben just. Ben Wyatt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so. I've been watching that. I also had one more. Oh, um, there's a very, very old BBC show called All Creatures Great and Small um, that we've been watching, which is it is just the height of like British humor from it's that just so, time. And it's so like cozy, too. It's so right? cozy like... and nice and comforting. <laughs> Yeah, I think I. You also... know what? What um? What British sitcom I always really liked was The Vicar of Dibley. Have you ever watched that one? I haven't, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. I know that they're entirely different shows, but it's made mm-hmm. me want to do. You know how you wanted to do your Game of Thrones rewatch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to do a Downton Abbey rewatch. <gasps> oh my god! I really feel. <laughs> I feel a Downton coming on. Mm. Um, did you see the newest movie? No, I ha- I never even finished the series because I oh, got really? so frustrated with all the stuff happening with Mr. Bates. Oh, I, like yeah. had to walk. That kind of drags. <laughs> kind of drags in it the get, middle there. <laughs> like it's so stressful, and then it drags, and uh-huh. it's a very f- weird drop off. What's so funny is that like the final season, and then both of the movies are like so light. And airy right. and like no conflict or hardship, <laughs> like literally no conflict in the, in the first movie. There's like nothing. It was like they realized that like that like fifty five year old wine moms watch uh-huh. this show, so <laughs> they can't be too scandalous they or can't something. Be too I don't know. Scandalous, no. <laughs> the like grandmas watch this, you know, like yeah. we. We can't be, like, having this guy in prison all the time. No. With <laughs> this his... isn't Orange is the New Black. <laughs> no, with his, like, scary <laughs> wife and, like, yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I also, I'm not here for that. I don't watch Downton for that. I watch Downton to watch Mary carry yes. dead bodies. Out of her. Yes. If Mary is not recruiting her mom and her sister to help her or her, mo- or her mom and her maid to help her carry a dead body of a man that she just slept with <laughs> like of- out of the like why would i 
why would I watch anything else? Why would I? If you start there, I need you to stay there. Yes. That level like, of by, campy. By like, like, so like you've seen like the SNL sketch <laughs> that's like a trailer for the movie and like. <laughs> They they keep showing that like the only conflict is that oh I there was mud on the bottom of the yeah. pond oh that's where mud goes thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the whole yeah. thing and then there's like there's like one part where I think it's like uh, Cecily Strong is like sister I got my hair cut do you like it <laughs> and her sister is like yes I like it <laughs> it's like. <laughs> That's the whole thing. Yeah, but that's really, like, that's such a, how do you get from hiding a dead body to, like, yeah. the only conflict is wondering if your sister likes your haircut. Like, what, what, what is, is that? What What is happening? Yeah. What yeah. is happening there? Oh. Rich people nonsense. Rich people that's, nonsense. That's what, <laughs> I love rich people nonsense. Like Me too. My favorite genre. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, most of Jane Austen is rich people nonsense. Sure, sure. Especially Emma. Emma's definitely rich people nonsense. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Like, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about our favorite, mostly TV and movies, but mm-hmm. I think we have a few other things as well, yeah. of 2022. Yeah. So, like, before we get, like, super into our lists, I have a question, and it's kind of a two-part question for you. So, the first part is, what trends or themes did we notice in the media of 2022 in general? And then what trends or themes emerged in our favorite media? I love that. Was there a trend you wanted to begin with that you felt was prevalent for you? Well, of course, I'm always down for rich people nonsense. Rich people nonsense. Rich people nonsense. So I have like, so really, okay, so I have like a couple of categories or a couple of like trends that I, that I noticed and wanted to talk about, but I'm realizing now, so like the other, the other like big theme that I picked up on was like Regency era media. Sure. Because there's a lot of that, like Jane Austen inspired and like Regency romance. Like there was a lot um, compared to previous years. Um, But as I'm looking at the list of Regency inspired works, many of those are also rich people nonsense. Oh, sure. (laughs) Like Bridgerton is absolutely rich people nonsense. Absolutely. yeah, well, and there was, you know, two Jane Austen adaptations, which, as I said, Jane Austen is rich people nonsense. Yeah. Um, and then, then, like, looking at other things on my list, like, I mean, Glass Onion. Did you watch Glass Onion? <gasps> I sure did. Oh, my gosh. It's rich people nonsense. It's and people it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But And then also, I just watched The Menu last night. <gasps> so good. I wanted to so watch much that. rich people nonsense. Of absolutely, <laughs> and then like the invitation, yeah, is kind of rich people nonsense. Totally. The nonsense being vampires, um, 
And well, and even like House of the Dragon, that's like royal rich people <laughs> nonsense. And that nonsense is incest. So like it's all rich people nonsense. It's all some rich people nonsense. <laughs> it's all all of it. Um I mean, like I have things on my list that are not really um, rich people nonsense, but like that's always kind of been something that appeals to me. And I think yeah. that like I think there's just like so much potential for like really insightful like social commentary and like yeah, yeah like I think that you know highlighting the the ridiculousness of extreme wealth yeah like has so much power to like call out absolutely like really when you get down to it it, like calling out like the injustice of like economic disparities i mean absolutely not to weigh things down here but like no but i think yeah. yeah and i think that like the works that can do that in a in ways that are still like you know entertaining in some way you know that you know, like they they still have like really clever writing, or they're yeah. you know still like really funny, or they're yeah. just interesting and fun. Like I think that those works are just that's my sweet spot. I think yeah. is that like that like Venn diagram of like poignant, biting social commentary and like a fun story. Absolutely. Like that's the center of that Venn diagram is my favorite. Yeah. My favorite um media. Yeah. So that's something that I noticed. Uh totally. I don't know. Did you did you notice any other any other works that were kind of rich people not well actually the Downton Abbey movie that came out <laughs> Yeah. In 2022 was absolutely rich people nonsense. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of them. Yeah. yeah. You really hit the nail on the head for like, I think the main titles, but I, I just, I feel like that was kind of a palpable through line was this. Yes. And like you said, using that as a means of exploring and offering commentary on, um, again, not to get too like, sad or upsetting but but what we saw happen and what we're seeing happen in america with with things you know Mm -hmm. like there's a yeah the wage gaps and all of those things um are getting kind of more pronounced with the wealthy and i think um certain certain people who buy certain social media platforms (laughs) and then just completely tank them yeah yeah totally as exacerbated by the fact that some people were very comfortably able to continue to work in the pandemic and some people were absolutely not and mm, kind of what that yep. did to um, just disparities in income and in um, wealth statuses. Um, yes. So it, it stands to reason that that would be showing up in our media because it's the story that we need to tell right now. You know, we need to talk yeah. about that. Well, I think we, like, we touched on this when we talked about Downton Abbey. Like, I, I um, talked about how, like, you know, they're like, there are several films that came out in 2019 that all had this very similar theme of wealth or class um, mm-hmm. inequality and, like, you know, calling, like, social commentary around that. And I think that, that, like, this surge of, like, almost a similar 
um, through line in 2022, like, I think that it is like, I mean, you pointed out that like with the pandemic, like obviously that exacerbated the already very wide divide between, you know, the wealthiest one, one to 5% and everyone else. Like, and I think that that it was seen like that exacerbation or that like even more, you know, revealing even even more of the disparity. I think that that was seen in the works from 2022 that we got because they, like, if we look at the things from 2019, so like I talked about Parasite. Yeah. And I talked about Knives Out and, and Us, Jordan Peele's Us. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that the thing with like all of those movies is that they felt like they they were definitely very relevant, but they still felt slightly removed sure. from just slightly removed from reality, right? Whereas sure. I feel like everything that's come in 2022 with that similar kind of class commentary um, has felt much more immediate and much more like, oh, like this is happening here and now, right? Yeah. Like, and I mean, maybe that's my own perception, but I do feel like there's more of an immediacy to to the works that we've seen in 2022. Absolutely. That are commenting. Well, and even like Glass Onion, like deals with the pandemic in its yeah. own way, um, which I think is, yeah, was like such a such a great way to to like build character and yeah. also kind of build in. Um, the message and that you know that goes kind of hand in hand that that note that you just made wonderfully about kind of the immediacy um pairs with another through line that i saw across um a lot of the media i was consuming was just this subtle unraveling of an individual or this Mm. kind of discussion on what it means to unravel a bit or go through the process of a change that felt tricky um in like a personal story like i think of um the character whose name is not Eleanor in um, Woman in the House Across the (laughs) Street. uh Um, I can't think of her name now, but we see her unraveling. We see... Was it Anna? I think it's Anna. I think it's Anna, (laughs) and that would explain why, because our dear friend is named Anna. Because our friend Anna is... Hi, Anna. (laughs) Hi, Anna. Um, Just this idea of this subtle unraveling that she is doing and that those around her are doing. I think we also see that um, in Glass Onion uh, with um, the the character whose name that I can't think of also, mm-hmm. whose sister comes. Oh, my Which gosh. actor? Goodness. It's the... Um, it's the woman whose sister comes and does her twin sister. Andy or Helen. Yes. Andy and Helen, I think, both have these moments of kind of making sure that they don't unravel and then using that to mm-hmm. to become powerful. Um, I think we see in, you know, in television, in Bob's Burgers, we see Louise kind of unravel a little bit this season um, and kind of use that vulnerability to get stronger. So I guess what yeah. I'm seeing is... We're kind of seeing beneath Louise's veneer. Which... I, I'm still toughness. crying about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess to further the theme, maybe it's not unraveling. Maybe it's using your vulnerability as a strength is something that I'm seeing mm. in media. Um, 
specifically this year. And, you know, I think that's also evidenced in the popularity of shows like Showtime's Couples Therapy, which literally couples... <laughs> which you, you love that show. I love that show. <laughs> and you literally see vulnerability cycles of these real couples and kind of using that vulnerability as a strength is, a, is something I think we're exploring. Yeah. You know, also, to a certain degree, um, Janine on Abbott Elementary, she's very much yeah. like, you're going to say what you want to about me, but I am vulnerable and standing here saying I love my job and I don't always know what I'm doing, but I'm good at it and I'm going to sit in exactly who I am. And so that kind of just discourse on vulnerability, I think, is something I'm mm-hmm. noticing. How good was Abbott Elementary? Oh, well, it's the my. season's only half over, but uh, so good. Oh my gosh. <sighs> well, you know, a reality show that I really loved in 2022, but that unfortunately ended up getting canceled before its finale, um, was The Courtship. And it was they canceled like, a, it? at least. I th- I think so, because, like, suddenly, like, I had no way, like, I couldn't watch it anymore. So I don't know what happened. Um, Interesting. You know what? I'm going to Google it just just in case, because um, I'm not sure, you actually. You know, brains are fascinating that I was so excited to watch that show. And the last time I thought about t- it was when you oh, no, and they I did. talked about okay. it. Oh, they did. They did finish it. Like, there was a finale, but I don't know. It was like it disappeared from, like, whatever I was watching it on. So I never finished it, so I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, but I think that it didn't – it kind of didn't get, like, the the viewership that they were hoping for. Really? Yeah. So, like, I think there was talk of canceling it at one point. I don't remember. But, yeah. So, like, the idea of the courtship was that it was, like, uh, basically, like – the bachelorette kind of but (laughs) like set in like uh, well they said like regency times but it was basically (laughs) just like it's set in like ye olden times sure basically like whatever um (laughs) but but still like i'm like i love the concept like it was such a fun idea and um and you know i think really reflected on the popularity of not just Regency, but also kind of, like, in general, sort of this, like, um, 19th century romantic era. Yeah. Like, that was really, you know, that there were a lot of works that were set in that era. So, of course, we had season two of Bridgerton, season two of Sanditon, and then we had Mr. Malcolm's List and oh, yeah. uh, and Persuasion the Netflix adaptation of Persuasion. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that, so Sanditon is now like, it, like it, the first, like the literally the pilot episode of Sanditon was adapted from a novel fragment that Jane Austen wrote. It's only like 11 chapters long. Wow. So that's, it was only enough for like, you know, half of, half of the pilot episode of Sanditon. And the rest of it is completely original story. So like, at this point, it's not even a Jane Austen adaptation anymore, but I still kind of 
put it in that bucket, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, we have Sanditon that's inspired by Jane Austen and Persuasion, which was an Austen adaptation. And then Bridgerton and Mr. Malcolm's List are both adaptations of Regency romance novels. So it's still, like, very specific works that we're seeing in this yeah. era. But I think that it really speaks to the popularity of that era and probably of Jane Austen specifically that we got so much yeah like in this in this very specific time period which is absolutely very interesting and I wonder if it also has like so of course like with the first season of Bridgerton we definitely like we talked about this in our Bridgerton series that like there is like this whole um, popularity of like Regency core, <laughs> um, yeah, like in fashion and um, like I think like just kind of like in decor and general aesthetics. So I wonder if like all of this is kind of like all of these works are kind of like just going along with that trend and seeing that through, or sure. I mean, Jane Austen adaptations have kind of always been pretty popular so like well, i don't also, know it's interesting it also reminds me of what you were talking about in that episode about how during the pandemic the whole world slowed down so we could yes. kind of indulge in things that we maybe didn't know a lot about or maybe had always wondered about and never had had time um or maybe it felt a little bit like you weren't part of the fandom so you learned it mm. or you know and i think <laughs> yeah that's a, at play here um as well perhaps yeah, maybe so. Did you end up watching? I know you watched Bridgerton season two. Did you watch any of the other like Regency? I missed them so far. I think because of my own feelings of like, oh, I, I don't, I, I don't really, I don't know. Uh, I'm not smart enough for. I don't know. I just, uh, I have my own personal Aaron, work to. I know it's weird. It's a no, weird reaction. Uh. Uh-uh. I know. Why do you gatekeep things for yourself? <laughs> I'm my own personal gatekeeper. Your own personal gatekeeper. With that, with I Dr. mean, or Hill. or was it that you maybe like felt overwhelmed and like didn't know where to start? Sometimes it's that way, but sometimes okay. and sometimes <laughs> I'm also a TV sleeper. Like I'll turn on something oh, to fall sure. asleep to. Yeah. Um. So that has to be kind of mindless. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I definitely recommend that you watch Mr. Malcolm's List. It's a movie. It's, you know, so, you know, like 90 minutes and you're done. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's also like very, so I saw it with my mom and like we were like talking about it afterward and she was like, so like it's, you know. Like we like we knew at the time that it was based on a Regency romance novel. And so she's and so like we were talking about it and my mom's like, Yeah, so like it definitely was like Regency, like Jane Austen time, but but the plot didn't really feel like Jane Austen. I was like, No, it didn't. What did it okay. feel like? And then I was like, the plot feels like a Shakespeare comedy. Like that's what it felt like oh. to me. So it's like Jane Austen time period, but the plot is like totally Shakespeare so interesting yeah so I there's even even down to like the two pairs of lovers okay in a Shakespeare comedy like yeah which 
to be fair, Jane Austen also did. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, but <laughs> but it, they're they're given like I'd say that they're given much closer to like equal screen time the the two couples um, compared to like in a, in an Austen. So yeah, you should watch that. Yeah, I, yeah, I yes, yes, I totally yes. Will. Yeah, and you know, also watch Persuasion too. Okay, um, as well. There, I mean, there were a lot of people who were like really angered by Persuasion. Okay. Like I remember that, but I never unnecessarily. Really knew. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like people who who actually are like kind of Austin gatekeepers were very <laughs> angered by it. Um, okay. Yeah. But I, you know, like, there were definitely things about it that I, you know, think could have been done differently. Okay. But I I really enjoyed what that adaptation was was doing and was saying about the work. So. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Um, so, yeah. So, lots of Regency. Lots of Regency. And, I mean, this is nothing new, but there's lots of Marvel yes. stuff. Yes. And lots of Star Wars stuff. There were lots actually. of Star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I like, I had like a little section on here where I like, I listed like the Marvel, there's so many Marvel things. So I just like listed the Marvel things that I actually like watched okay. <laughs> and, yeah. and enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so I just put, I just had like Ms. Marvel, um, Thor, Love and Thunder, she-Hulk and Wakanda Forever. Yeah. I I recommend all of those. Yeah. Especially Wakanda Forever. I think that's really the standout Marvel-wise sure. this year. But I mean, when it comes down to it, like it's Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Like I think you I think most people already know like where they stand on Marvel things and if they generally are going to like yeah. Marvel things. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. I don't know. Although there is, like, I mean, like, there is some variation, you know, between works as yeah. far as, like, the tone and things like that. But it, but honestly, overall, it's all Marvel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Were there any other, like, trends or themes that you noticed? I think the big one for everything that I think of as a secondary trend all comes back to that idea of vulnerability. And so I think Mm. actually even my notes here are a little bit before I had that realization. So I think what I'm noticing just Mm. across the board is that we're exploring internal vulnerability a little bit more. Like, even with things like everything, everywhere, all at once, like, there's so Mm, much vulnerability built into that. It's also, like, just gorgeous. That movie made me cry. No, me too. (laughs) It's so good. Like, (laughs) even before, and obviously I'm a therapy student, so I have to talk about vulnerability cycles, but there's something about two rocks on a cliff having a conversation with googly eyes oh my goodness about <laughs> two rocks with googly eyes like and having... it's the most emotional scene you've ever seen yeah and it's this <laughs> raw look at human relationship and vulnerabilities with each other and the ways that we relate to one another so i'm gonna i'm pretty boring but i think 
instead all of the all of the kind of subcategories that I thought of all come back to that vulnerability um, and how we're exploring kind of working through loneliness in that again thinking mm. about Louise and kind of that moment um, I can't think of the name of the episode but there's a moment where Bob is explaining to Louise kind of what adult life feels like and we see this like he's talking to her about you know maybe things are really tough and maybe you feel lonely but then you find where you belong or then you find something that's fulfilling to you and you feel a little bit less alone which is just going to make me cry even talking about it right now because mm -hmm. like that's so where I was in my personal like giving therapy to myself and my personal like feelings of loneliness so to then have that articulated by Bob um, to Louise that sometimes you're going to be lonely in your adult life because I don't think that that's always something we talk about with kids is mm. the yeah. fact that loneliness exists even when you are in a couple even when you are with your favorite people there will still be loneliness and just kind of discussions like that filled me and also emptied me because of all the the um emotion that comes with that <laughs> um so i think just these honest explorations were really nice to see yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything that kind of differentiates from that anything like genre wise genre or wise. or like thematically gosh or were you like a complete mixed bag? I think everything's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. One thing I think we're revisiting a lot of a lot of favorites. Like you see the the new Hobbit series. You see mm -hmm. the Game mm -hmm. of Thrones series. You see. Um, That's true. Yeah. A lot of revisiting of worlds that we're already familiar with. Yeah. That we're already pretty excited about. Um, mm -hmm. So revisits in in ways that I haven't seen, I haven't finished either of those, but in ways that feel kind of exciting and fun. You know, it, like mm -hmm. they seem, they in seem like interesting In ways that like takes. say something new right. about those worlds we're familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I mean, like... Uh, of course, to go back to Marvel and Star Wars, like, of course, anything that's in those worlds, like, is going to be, you know, is going to already have a certain set of parameters that we already know. But I think that, like, with, so, like, I have Andor on my list of, yeah. of best of the year, which I think is, like, the most uncontroversial take ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's on, like, everybody's best of list. But, um... Like, I, I think that up until Andor, everything, ev you know, like every new Star Wars um, work that we got was was kind of like not not all the same, but like they all had like a certain set of like expectations and a certain a certain tone or just like a certain like. Yeah, I guess like a certain set of expectations is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. But then Andor like completely flipped that on its head. It's like subverting Star Wars, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, which like in a way in a way that we haven't seen since the Last Jedi. 
Okay. Um, which is really, really interesting. I saw, oh, you know what? I saw a tweet, like, back in November, probably, that said, like, Andor is like The Last Jedi to The Mandalorian's The Force Awakens. Oh, like, interesting. Yes, that's a perfect, perfect analogy. Like, that's exactly, yeah. Okay. Very, yeah. Andor's really good. <laughs> yeah, Go watch really it. Things about it, yeah. Yeah. And it's honestly like I've seen I've seen so many people who have said that like, you know, like I am not even really a Star Wars fan, but this is a really good show. So like okay. I don't even think that I don't even think that you have to have that much that much knowledge going into it. I think sure. that you can kind of well and I like it's my my like theory about Star Wars works is that like you can start with anything. Or, or almost anything like yeah. you like every every single piece of Star Wars media um, is designed to be someone's entry point. So like yeah. you really don't have to have a lot of um, of background knowledge for most for most things. There are a few things that you probably would, but and or for sure, I think even if you you know it like it might be helpful if you have like some kind of background knowledge but honestly you could you could figure out pretty quickly (laughs) um if you didn't so right yeah Yeah. it's so good oh my gosh (laughs) yeah i'll i'll put it on i'll try it Um, do it oh if we're talking about uh kind of revisiting things we love in new ways (laughs) go on (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, if we're thinking about revisiting things like old classics um, in new ways, the the most recent A League of Their Own series definitely yes. does that. Um, yeah, for sure. As well. Well, and so does the Batman, which I mean, like <laughs> superhero or like comic book franchise um, movies, like that's they're always revisiting something that we're already familiar with. Right. So like, but yeah, like that's still, yeah. But again, it revisits the world, but it subverts everything that we knew about the world uh, in in the Batman. So, and then, you know what? The Batman is also rich people nonsense. Oh my gosh, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. There's a little bit of rich people nonsense in Andor too. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have a type, ladies and gentlemen. I have a type. Have a oh, type. that's funny. Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we like get into our list? Should we get into and, Yeah. Yeah. We are like 45 minutes in. So <laughs> yeah. this could be a long episode, folks. Buckle up. It's going to be a long one, and you just have to be fine with that. So, there. Yeah. Um, yes. How about how about we do – let's do it this way. I'll pick something from your list for you to talk about. Oh, I love and that. And then you pick something from my list for me to talk about, and we'll switch off. I love that. Until Perfect. we – until we run out of things to talk about. <laughs> until we run out or until we kind of feel like we've had. Or until the, we're like, okay, that's enough. Had the, had the <laughs> that's enough slices. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, tell me, well, I watched this as well. 
Um, but I want you to talk about Reboot. <sighs> this... like Re- reboot is like a meta commentary on what we were just talking about. I right? know how funny. And it also hits on the rich people nonsense. Oh, it totally does. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Reboot was a show that I knew I would like but I did Mm -hmm. not know that I would love it. So Mm -hmm. Reboot takes, uh, is the story of a writer um, and a a television production um, of a, that's literally rebooting an Mm -hmm. old classic sitcom. um, You can think like, you know, Family Matters or like any yeah. of those types of um, like Full House, whatever it is, yeah. just that kind of classic television show. And that's the vibe. Re- yeah. Yeah. And rebooting it to include um, comment like commentary that's meaningful and to have conversations that um, provide a depth that might not have been there um, previously. Um, and we get to watch um, the the actors kind of coming to terms with coming back to this world after um, having been uh, super famous during the show's run and then maybe facing some life challenges afterward and kind of how they find themselves back to each other and what it feels like to revisit um a time in your life um, and kind of how, how that feels to revisit a time in your, a time in your life or something like a community that you were once a part of when you've been away and when you've changed and grown. Um, And then we also get to hear from the writing staff and the production Mm -hmm. team about what it's like specifically um, the lead, uh, writer who's at the helm of everything is working with her father um and we get kind of discourse there about their personal family histories and her identity as a lesbian and um the fact that her father had been more or less absent from her life Mm -hmm. um so we get those themes as well um so it's it's just also like the performances from Keegan Michael Key and Judy mm-hmm. Greer are just yes. like the entire cast is fabulous, but Keegan Michael Key and Judy Greer really stand out to me as um oh and um Eliza Coop, who I love mm-hmm. um doing some things. I feel that- like I feel like Rachel Bloom is playing a character who's like a lot like herself. <laughs> totally. I love her work in this. Yeah, yeah. I love her. Oh, so so funny thing about Rachel Bloom. So I have a friend, like an internet friend, who is also <laughs> named Rachel Bloom. <laughs> but it's a different Rachel Bloom. And and so um so like the Rachel Bloom who's my friend uses her um also includes her middle name and like all of her sure. online handles. Um but she <laughs> she also like it's like a thing <laughs> where like people have mistaken her for oh, like no. the other Rachel Bloom a lot. Oh, um no. yeah. She gets a lot of weird emails. <laughs> oh gosh, I bet. Yeah. Anyway, just oh, a fun goodness. little tidbit. Hi, Rachel, if you're listening. 
her performance is so good in this as well. Um, just as someone who's coming to terms with, and again, it's such a cool meta commentary because yes. like she's revisiting um, this definitely archaic um, sitcom to tell mm-hmm. new truths. And she's also revisiting um a family issue that had been just um, incredibly toxic and traumatic for her and kind of trying to breathe new life into it. And it's just, it's, there are some moments when it's very funny. There are some moments where it's super poignant and really nice. And I think without giving anything away, the final moments of the last episode are just Mm. like (laughs) so good for character development and relationships. Um, There's also something. Are they doing another season? Do you know? Oh gosh, I hope so. I've been really looking forward to it if they're not. Um, Hmm. I also think Judy Greer is often given the best friend role, and in this she gets to kind of come more into the leading lady. And she's so funny and so Mm -hmm. honest in her, like, so her character arc is. Um, as she returned, she had once been in a relationship and maybe married, poss- I think married to yes, Keegan Michael To like a, a baron or something. Yes. Oh, oh, you're talking, yes, before, before, um, before, before, yeah. So she's not only returning to this role, but she's also returning to um, playing the the wife of someone she had once been married to and kind of mm-hmm. um, I think her portrayal and Keegan-Michael Key together um, their portrayal of like working through that um, those feelings of anger and discomfort and then coming to a real vulnerable place with each other um, just chef's kiss just so good mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's those are the main things I was like super excited about with it. Yes. Um, this also just feels like Christmas morning. I'm gonna pick <laughs> my selection of Rhonda's list. Um, yes. I. I would love to hear about <laughs> Catherine called Birdie. Oh, Catherine called Birdie. Uh, okay, so this is a movie on Amazon. Three syllables. <laughs> Three syllables. No, that's, wait, how many? I think it's five. five? Yeah. Five. Well, it depends on how you pronounce Catherine. Like, do you oh, pronounce that's it so Cath- true. Catherine <laughs> or Catherine. <laughs> Please call everyone you know Catherine. Catherine. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Catherine. My mom's <laughs> name is Catherine. I'll go ahead. Anyway. Catherine. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so <laughs> it's um so this is a movie that's based on a uh, a children's like a middle grade novel by Karen oh. Cushman from the nineties. I think like early nineties, yeah. but it would have been like the late nineties when I read it. Um, sure. But anyway, so it's yeah, so it's based on this novel, and it's about um, this uh, I think like twelve, thirteen year old girl in thirteenth century England, and 
her um, and like her family's kind of like on the lower rungs of the nobility, I think. And so the plot, like the plot of the book, such as it is, like there isn't a whole lot of like plotty plot. Okay. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's yeah. a plot, but it's not like a really plotty plot, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, but like most of like the action revolves around um, like her, you know, her father deciding that he needs to marry her off because like they don't have any money. So, okay. <laughs> which is like, you know, a very like kind of a real yeah. situation that yeah. a teenage girl would find herself in in that time. Um, so like the, the novel is really kind of like slice of life, Uh kind of like, she just writes about like her, you know, like she like sneaks away and goes and has fun in the village and like, yeah. Um, but there's always kind of this undertone of like, she has this like really kind of like. There's, there's, like, a lot of unknowns in, like, the fate that, that awaits her yeah. um, once her father finds her husband, right? Um, and I think the movie, I think, does a really good, like, it, it strikes a really good balance between, you know, having, like, because, like, so much of the fun of the book is just... Catherine called Birdie. <laughs> she wants to go by Birdie. Um, yeah. It's just like Birdie, like being a kid, <laughs> like she oh, is a kid that. who is being put into um, this very adult circumstance, which again was very normal at the time. Yeah, but it, she was still a kid, you know, being put yeah. in, in an adult circumstance. And I think the movie does a really good job of striking that balance between letting Birdie be a kid, but then also weaving in, like, this, um, this sort of, uh, it feels like a very modern, like, uh, commentary on, like, what, just, like, what it means to be a girl in the world. And to, to, like, if you, you know, like, if you are, if you are a, a, a woman or, a person who, you know, was, was considered female when you were a child, we could say, um, like, you know what it's like to experience the world, like, and know that the world is not designed for you to succeed and to, um, and to, you know, like the world is not set up for you basically. Um, and I feel like that really comes through in in the movie for sure um i think it's more subtle in the book but in the movie okay. like you really feel that um and also a big like key thing here is that the movie um changes the ending oh and and i think that it's like that makes it like even more satisfying because it makes the message like even stronger okay. um and it's just it was so good it was like it was like nostalgia because this was my favorite or, you know, one of my favorite books when I was a kid. Yeah. But then also just like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's like, uh, like her relationship with her dad, her relationship with her mom. Um, and you see like a lot of, there's like a lot of characters 
who, sorry, I'm just like rambling about this. No, movie. I'm so uh, enjoying like, this. Yeah. <laughs> there's like several female characters that are just kind of like a paragraph in the book, but you get a little bit more development yeah. of those women in the movie and you really see like what the stakes are like for women in these different positions in society. It yeah. just, yeah. Ah, good. Good, good, oh, good. Lovely. Yes. And great cast, too. Is oh, a, good. Yeah. Really good cast. Yeah. Oh. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, okay. Um, I'm picking something from your list now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell oh, me about I- Paper Girls. Oh, it's so cool. Because I feel like you've recommended Paper Girls to me before. Yeah. Um, and I just haven't had time. Oh, absolutely. To it. <laughs> it's really cool. And it's so it's one of those shows that again, most of this list, just with how this year has gone, I haven't seen like I'm not like an expert on but I've seen enough to know that it's a standout for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. So like, Paper Girls takes, I believe, a graphic novel, um, and um, it's an Amazon Prime original, um, and it fe- it really feels like if Stranger Things were told from a different lens. Um, mm, so okay. it's um, I kind of wish Stranger Things was told from a different lens. Then watch Paper Girls. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So obviously they're paper girls, you know, they have a paper route. Oh, okay. So they're not like made of paper. No, although, you know, I haven't finished. So (laughs) big reveal. That could be the big reveal. Um, But during their early morning paper route one morning they have a new paper girl come on who's new to the um new to the town and kind of um psychological and um like fantastical things start happening on the paper route and they get in a little bit of um they start in the same way that the um the kids in stranger things start to see evidence of well stranger things in their town um paper (laughs) paper can you tell how i feel about stranger things i'm so excited to hear even more um in our next series i'm so over it i'm so excited to hear (laughs) like we talked about this at dinner once but i love to hear people's complaints about things It's like this is biggest, where Judgy Aaron comes out. <laughs> the biggest gift you could ever give me, because this came about because our friend Nicole said, "Oh, sorry, you really love that," and I just like tore it to pieces. And I said, "No, that's my favorite thing, is for you to tell me your honest complaints about something, especially <laughs> a piece of media." Um, so I'm very excited for that. But anyway, um, so paper girls. <laughs> um and the whole thing is gorgeous i think Mm. the cinematography of this kind of um this science fiction event that's happening to their town that they still haven't really figured out what is happening um 
just the way that it's done and the art direction and everything of this show is just really exciting and really compelling. Um, and it's definitely, it felt a little bit like The Road by Cormac McCarthy and, and its mm. suspensefulness as well. But not um, as, but not as pretentious, hopefully. But not as freaking <laughs> pretentious. Um, and Aragorn isn't in it. So that's the thing too. But um, oh, okay. Yeah, I just, I think that... Well, if, you know, if things could just have more Aragorn, like that would... Or, yeah. as Lorelai Gilmore uh, said, if I could only find a man like Aragorn... <laughs> I was just gonna call it that, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is one of those, I think, Amazon Prime video does this really well, um, is it's evident that you're watching something that's a graphic novel... Mm, it stays sure. true to that media source um, in really exciting ways. Um, I think the best producer that does this is A24. Um, yeah. When you watch an A24 production. Like, you know you're what? Yeah. You know you're watching. Yeah. And a, do you say A24 or is it A24? Oh, I don't, I don't even. I don't even. I've always said A24, but maybe it is A24. I, I don't know. I anyway. Have no idea. Um <laughs> But I think like you know that you're watching a A24 slash A24 movie, <laughs> and you know that it's gonna pay homage to the original source material. You know, like when we saw the Green Knight, yeah, it stayed mm-hmm. true to the original, um, the feel of an original epic text. Um, and I think that's same for Paper Girls. Um, your the visuals are stunning, and it's very clear that the storytelling is less based on the written word and more based on those visuals um, Mm. in the same way that like you choose to, you choose to tell a story through a graphic novel because the visuals are more important to you. So I think that that was a really nice um, uh, way to stay true to the original um, Mm. comics. Yeah. Well, I will check it out. Yeah, it's it's real fun. Um, let me see here. Um, oh, I left. Um, I left the Sarah Dessen novel off here. I'm gonna put that in. Oh here no! Too. Um, I know. Um, okay. So, Rhonda, would you? Mm-hmm. Would you be a pal and tell mm-hmm. me more about um, Fire Island? I know nothing. Oh, Erin, you would love Fire Island. Okay. Uh, okay. So, um, okay. So this is another, you know, this could, I could put this in the bucket of like Regency slash Jane Austen inspired. Okay. Because it's not Regency, it's modern, like it's contemporary, but it is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. And, but it's among like, um, so like, I, I had never heard of, like, I guess there's a place called Fire Island that's like a big, like, I guess like vacation spot, especially for like LGBTQ folks. Um, yes, so it's like a gay retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Um, of course, <laughs> I'm remembering yeah. this now. Yes, yeah, and it's Joel Kim Booster who I believe wrote this screenplay and also plays like the the Elizabeth Bennet like 
oh. um, analog character. Um, it you know is great, and Bowen Yang is in it. Yeah. Um, I think his character is like is Lydia. I think. Okay. Um, and Margaret Cho is like the Mrs. <gasps> Bennett character. <laughs> Margaret. Cho. Yes, I love her. Uh, so fun, and it's you know like it's just. It's so delightful, and it's so, like, like, this, so, okay, so you know me with adaptations, like, I love when an adaptation, like, actually adapts the work instead of just translating it into a different medium and just, like, putting, putting, so, like, I feel like that's what this is doing because it's, like, at least in, like, plot points and in, like, character, it's actually a very literal adaptation. Like, it's, it's, it sticks very close to, like, the the structure of, of the story and of the characters. Yeah. But, like, by completely changing the setting and changing the context, it's, it's like, a whole new story. And cool. it's... Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so I'm going to give you a little <laughs> inside inside tip here. So I um, just recently um, started outlining, like, an article that I want to try to, like, pitch to some publications, um, uh. like, freelance kind of, um, about using um, – the story of Pride and Prejudice as a framework for a social justice narrative. Cool. But I think that, so like, like that's a thing, but I think that also just like the story of Pride and Prejudice and like the, the inherent um, like social um, commentary in the story of Pride and Prejudice lends itself really well to like making modern commentary about our current society. Sure. Um and I mean Fire Island kind of does that, but it but um like I mean it does that enough to kind of like be true to the spirit of the source material, but it also doesn't take itself like too seriously at the same time. Okay. I don't know if I'm explaining this right. <laughs> like, no, I think you are absolutely. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's you. So I'm. I guess I'm saying like you can kind of watch it on two levels, which I feel like is true of the original novel. You can read it on two different levels. Like you can read it as like a romance, or you can read it as very insightful and like revolutionary social commentary. <laughs> so yeah. like and and the movie works on like it works as a rom-com and it also works on that like more subtle level as like saying something about society. Um yeah. Yeah. So please watch Fire Island. <laughs> it's I on will. Hulu. <laughs> I had just forgotten what that was called. I had every intention of watching that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. Okay. Um, I want you. Um, wait, Sarah Dessen TV show? 
movie for netflix oh movie okay uh, oh my gosh i can't believe i just wrote sarah Dessen. <laughs> okay what was the movie called aaron <laughs> oh my gosh i am blanking i'm gonna go ahead real quick just i can't google think it. of the title that's my google Go- song. <laughs> google if you want to buy that from Rhonda, you should google um, it google it along google, for google, the ride google is what it was well called. you know what we we do tend to google things while we're recording a lot so that we could do. be like our own little theme song for a segment where we google <laughs> where we have to like take a break to google something <laughs> A colleague in grand in grad school today was asking me why I how I got to be so confident talking about <laughs> statistics, and I said, "Oh, that's very funny. That's the teacher in me. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm googling it and then I'm presenting it to you in a way that shows um, that I might know what I'm talking about, and that's uh-huh. just how you learn to be a teacher. Anyway." And then you sing a song that goes, Google it, Google it, Google, Google, Google it. Okay. I, I love it. Yes. All right. What was the movie called? Along for the Ride. Okay. <laughs> um, so I thought of this and I couldn't believe I forgot to put it on my list when you were talking about Catherine called Birdie because oh. Obviously, Sarah Dessen has been my favorite since I was 14 um, mm-hmm. and kind of took me through my YA years. Um, and then now sometimes I, I reread her to get that same kind of like cozy nostalgia. And Netflix sure did make a movie adaptation mm-hmm. of one of my favorite of hers, Along for the Ride. And so all Sarah Dessen YA novels exist in summertime where (laughs) a 15 or 16 year old, um, usually female identifying lead, um, goes to this summer vacation town of Colby. Um, Colby, I think, is North Carolina or South Carolina? One of the Carolinas. Don't ask me. And the through line of all of her books is that um, the young heroine um, escapes either a difficult school year or a difficult home life or something difficult and comes to this summer town and has a first love or returns to her innocence in some sense of the word or reclaims an aspect of her identity. Um, And it's all set across the summer months and then they have to re-enter the real world um Mm. with what they've learned and that's it's kind of like going to narnia exactly (laughs) yeah they um these books meant the world to me as a um as a teen and so getting to see how well and how carefully um, the world of Sarah Dessen novels was created by Netflix. You know, I think sometimes, um, sometimes you worry if your favorite title is going to be given mm-hmm. the respect it deserves, especially yeah. um, if it's something you loved as a kid, you know? And so I, I really felt that the way that they cast the whole, um, the whole thing was so uh, true to the book's, um, and the way that they uh, 
built this um, fictional, it's a, it's definitely a fictional city, but um, a fictional beach town of Colby um, that had been so long in my mind's eye. I had spent so many summers in Colby myself as a, um, as a teen um, through reading these books. And so to see it so perfectly fit and attune with um, the novels was just lovely. Um, oh, so whole... wait, all of all of her books are in the same town. Yeah, and in the same oh. universe. Yeah, are they? Is there any like crossover? Like, do characters there... from one book meet characters there from another is, book? There is, and it's the best. And they're just <gasps> little... it's like its own cinematic universe. <laughs> it is, and there there's even a website about the Sarah Dessen. Uh, universe oh my gosh um, i love this and like you'll get little easter eggs of like they don't even say their names but you by the character descriptions you know that they're talking about oh. two characters from a previous book oh i love it so 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 much um and so along for the ride is the story of a um a young woman who um has always, you know, gotten the gotten the best grades, done everything that parents expected of her, and then turned into an insomniac. So she would spend all her nights um, driving around her town, um, like having coffee at the local diner and finishing all of her um, essays there and doing all of her academic work there, um, but then just never sleeping because... You know, she had some unresolved um, issues of identity and issues of, well, why am I doing all of this? Is it for me or is it for the adults around me? And what does that mean? And kind of that question. Um, and so she goes to the town of Colby and starts to take care of her, um, si uh, I think, yeah, six month old um new younger like baby sister and mm. she meets what who turns out to be the love of her life oh. as he is also unable to sleep at night so it's the two of them exploring the town as insomniacs wait she meets the love of her life at 16 well the love of Such her accomplishment <laughs> the love of her formative maybe her first love but maybe you know okay. we never um yeah somewhere um so they both kind of work through um, these issues as they explore the town at, like, midnight. It's really great. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Midnight? They, they might be. Yeah, I kind of, you know, sometimes I wish we got to see, like, ten years down the road where our favorite characters yeah. wind up, you know? Right. We need a we need a reboot. We need a reboot. <laughs> My turn. Um, <laughs> Rhonda, will you please yeah. tell me about um Oh, tell me about the Batman. I didn't get to see it. The Batman. The the Batman is the <laughs> or what was it? <laughs> the the bat signal refers to the children's character of the Batman. The Batman. <laughs> Parks and Rec. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I just um, think of um, <laughs> him sitting in his Batman outfit on Treat Yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of Batman references in Parks and Rec. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Batman, 
Um, <laughs> I can't say it without without pronouncing it. The Batman. The, the Batman. Batman. Um, so the Batman was really good. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. So it's interesting. <laughs> You know, like, as we kind of touched on, or, like, as I touched on a little bit, like, it is, it's revisiting this world that we know really well. Uh-huh. You know, like, it's revisiting, like, this whole, like, Gotham City. Yeah. Batman world, right? Um, But as we have discussed as a through line throughout a lot of media from 2022, it's... It's revisiting this world, but through a different lens. So it's, um, it definitely, again, like this is also becoming a pattern. Like it definitely comments a little bit on like some kind of social issues. Like I feel like this is the first Batman movie that I've watched um, and I, you know what, actually, I think I've seen, like, I think I've seen every Batman movie. Yeah. I think I have. Every live action one, at least. I haven't uh-huh. seen the Lego Batman movie. But anyway. Oh, so um, <laughs> but I think, like, this is the first Batman movie I've noticed that really is, like, starting, t- not fully yet, but is starting to be aware of what Bruce Wayne's status as a billionaire, like what repercussions and what like what um, significance that actually has for the world that he lives I in. I love that. And it doesn't like, like, I think there's, so it's been like quite a while since I've watched it. I should rewatch it. But I, there is a line that, um, that Selena, Selena, um, Catwoman, um, played by Zoe Kravitz. So there's that. That's yeah. that should be incentive enough to watch it. That um, she has a line where, like, she basically says, "Like, why don't you just like give all your money <laughs> to to people who need yeah. it?" Basically, um, which is like what you know, like what we've been like what so many people have been saying about Batman, like for years and years. It's like, right. you're, you're a billionaire. Why don't you put your money toward like alleviating poverty, which then in turn will like help decrease crime. Like, right. That, you know, I feel like that's, you know, it's such like an old argument at this point. Um, But yeah. like it's Batman stories have never like at least Batman stories on screen haven't really reckoned with that very much. Um, so yeah. it was really interesting to see that. And then I also loved that it really like leaned into like the gothic sensibilities that have always been sort of like a possibility in in the Batman world and in Batman stories. Like sure. The, like they made um like I've seen like a like a lot of the time they'll make like Wayne Manor where he lives like it'll be like kind of modern looking or it'll be just like kind of like traditional you know generic traditional yeah. looking but they made it like gothic like it's like a gothic cathedral <laughs> inside like it's so it's great um yeah it also like um at least kind of a uh, 
dabbles a little bit in like kind of a feminine gaze at certain points. Ooh. And that was really exciting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just like it was good. I want to watch it again. And uh, they finally made Batman a Byronic hero, as he always should have been. Sure. Yeah. Yes. The Batman. It's another recommended one I can't by believe, me. I can't believe I didn't watch it. It looks really. I think good. it's on. Oh, it well, it's it's um DC, so it's I'm pretty sure it's on HBO Max. Oh, cool. Too. Yeah. I yeah I think all of the like DC Warner Brothers um, uh-huh. stuff is on HBO Max. So maybe that's what yes. I'll do after we record. Yes. Noid. Okay, Aaron. Yes. I want you to tell me about Marry Me. <laughs> the movie. I, I just almost watched. put this one on my list too. I but, just watched yeah. it last night, and Aww. it was everything that I love and I have loved about um, a romantic comedy. This mm-hmm. felt like last night. I felt transported back to sleepover parties when you're in third grade um mm-hmm. that was uh yeah i, I loved <laughs> j-lo so much at that age and i i have loved her ever since i love her i think she's an incredible performer i'm i i love her she feels so nostalgic i oh my gosh um <laughs> And so this movie just really brought me back to those days where in your your limited two pajamas with your best <laughs> gal pals um and ordering a pizza and watching some rom-coms. So oh, that sounds amazing. I want to order pizza and watch a rom-com like right now. Maybe that's what I'll that's we what should I do after. Do. after yes. This. Um <laughs> So marry me is um, the tale of a not J Lo herself, um, mm. but a pop star, a global pop sensation, who is who could very easily be based on J Lo. Like be, it, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, and she, uh, she's a singer songwriter and a dancer and a, you know just this mega star, and she has written this. Uh, she's um engaged to her pop star um fiance mm-hmm. and they have this sounds song. like a reality show my it pop really... star fiance oh gosh oh that <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing um mm-hmm. um or that sounds like it could be like a fake reality show like on 30 rock or something <laughs> definitely a liz lemon original <laughs> absolutely yes um that's a deal breaker ladies that's a deal breaker um <laughs> speaking of deal breakers so mm. they um she she's doing this concert with um her fiance um where they sing their hit single marry me together and then they actually get married on stage well come to find out that when she's in a wedding gown and what can only be described as like a will a, a follies um a Follies, Ziegfeld Follies style um, <laughs> marriage uh, kind of wedding uh, dance number. Um, every, she notices everyone in the crowd is 
kind of acting shocked and it's it's coming out that her fiance has cheated on her with um with her assistant and so um i'm gasping like i didn't know this i've seen the movie (laughs) it's that yeah um it's that shocking um and so she sees uh, we've also met owen wilson's character who is a Mm -hmm. math teacher who goes with sarah silverman's character to this uh so sarah sarah silverman is very funny in this um Mm -hmm. and she she gives her friend a marry me sign that he's holding up at the concert and so she in that moment um j-lo not j-lo um but (laughs) j-lo decides that um that she's going to marry this complete stranger and so they do they get married (laughs) and then um i love that this is like straight out of like a romance novel plot like it's so bananas i love it (laughs) it's also like this is me simplifying it this is Uh yeah (laughs) like the setup for this is bananas um but it makes it so much fun. And then so we watch as hilarity ensues. We watch as they try and mitigate their lives together um, and wind up dun, 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 falling in love. And of it's, course. It's just it's everything you want out of a J-Lo rom Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I thought Sarah it's... Silverman was so fun. Yeah. It's interesting. So like we... So, like, I feel like there's been, like, so, like, the rom-com was kind of, like, not dead, but, like, the rom-coms kind of weren't a thing for a little while. And then I think, like, the past few years have started to sort of make a comeback. But it's interesting that, like, the, like, kind of the the more popular or the best rom-coms to come out in the past couple of years, a lot of them are starring actors who were big in rom-coms like 15 years ago. Yeah. As well, like like J-Lo in Marry Me or totally. Sandra Bullock in The Lost City or there's the one with um with Julia Roberts and George Clooney I that I didn't see but I think is a rom-com that is like so like why are there no like actors in their like 20s and 30s Right. In these new big rom-coms. Right. Like what, I mean, there's like set it up. That's probably like the best Uh example of like a true like rom-com. But like, yeah, like what's, but well, and even that one had Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs as like the secondary couple. But Uh anyway, it's, it's interesting, right? Like. It really is. And I think it speaks to a brilliance on the, the part of, um, the producers because i think it's aimed at our generation i think hmm. i think it's aimed at a bunch of different you know like you can you can package it holds things. a nostalgia mm-hmm. rather than because hmm. like i would i would 100 percent watch like a rom-com with like selena gomez as sure as the lead you know like i don't I, I just think it's if, it's it's interesting. I wonder if it's to get the those less inclined than we are. Hmm. You if know? yeah, I also wonder if it just has to do with like the like actors themselves. Yeah. But like, 
Because I feel like... So there's like a whole... Like... Because like the movie, movie business or the movie industry right now looks very different than it did even 15 years ago right like we like we have streaming Mm -hmm. and we have like all these other things that we didn't have 15 years ago we're like the only way that you could see a new movie was to go to a movie theater so there just weren't as many new movies being made and so I wonder if that has something to do with it because like a rom-com is like 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 typically a rom-com is very much like a mid-budget mid middling like revenue making yeah. movie, right? And maybe there just like isn't as much of a place for that anymore with like streaming and with mm-hmm. like big block like how big blockbuster movies have gotten. Right? Like Marvel and and everything. So, like, I don't know. I think that might have something to do with it. Um, I have another thought as well that kind of goes hand in hand with all of this that we're talking about. I also think there's a conscious effort to, of how we portray women and Hmm. the ages that we allow women to be in media and in rom-coms, I think there's been a push away from that ageism where it has to be a younger actress. And I think Hmm. we're exploring womanhood a little bit further and a little bit more completely lately. I think there's been a push for that um, to explore all stages of womanhood. So maybe that's informing this as well. Um. But can you think of like, like, are do you notice like a corresponding, like, uptick in movies that are exploring women's lives that are not rom coms? I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that could be part uh, of, of it course too. My, of course, my brain would just shut down at that uh-huh. very moment. <laughs> But that could definitely, yeah, I think that there definitely is something to that because, like, you know, in, you know, like the 90s and even like into the 2000s, like the the most prominent movies we had with with female main characters were rom-coms. Because right. that's all that's you know all that could be made. Like that's all that studios right. would finance. Because, yeah. you know, of, of, of misogyny. So, yes. <laughs> so maybe like, yeah, so maybe that there is something to that too, that like, there's more, there's also a lot more women, you know, being given opportunities behind the camera, which yeah. of course opens up like the possibilities of stories that women can tell and that can be told about women. So yeah, maybe that's part of it too. Interesting. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like all of the things that we threw out there kind of work together in this general mm-hmm. web of like we wanted more rom-coms and we wanted to expand the playable age for women mm-hmm. <laughs> in Hollywood and I think we're we're finally seeing some of that happening. There's still so much work to do, but Yeah. Uh, 
Mini rom-com discussion. You know what? In February, I think we're planning to talk about rom-coms. Yeah. A rom-com. A rom-com. In particular. Yeah. Um, Whale. 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 Should we do one more each and then move to the second section of our notes? Let's do that. Let's do that. Because I feel like we've at least, at least I have um, at least kind of touched on most of the things on my list. I think you have for your list as well. Yeah. At least most of them. Yeah. Um, So yeah, let's just do one more each. That sounds good. We've talked about it a little bit. Oh, you know what? Since we talked a little bit about everything everywhere, will you tell me a little more about the menu? The menu. Oh, my gosh. I just watched this last night, so it's, like, fresh in my mind. Uh-huh. So good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. So, do you? what do you know about, about the plot? Have you seen, like, the trailer? Isn't it kind of similar to Hannibal, where he's eating people? No. Oh. That's but that's interesting movie. that that's what you picked up from the trailer. <laughs> then I no, know nothing. That's, that's not what it is. No. So it's um. So like we start out, um, <laughs> and we're with this couple who is on a date, and the couple is played by Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor Joy, two actors who <gasps> I love with all of my heart. They're, yeah. And they're they're so they're both like so great and so funny. Anyway, so we start out like. <laughs> We first meet this couple and they are going on this date and we pretty quickly like pick up that it's like, it's possibly their first date or it's like very early in their relationship. So like right away, it's like, oh, this is going to be interesting, right? Um, So they're going on this date to like this very exclusive restaurant that only seats like, I think... They only seat like five or six tables a night and it's like a thousand dollars per person. Oh, damn. And, you know, it's like this extravagant prefix menu. Um, yeah. With this like, you know, celebrity head chef. Um, like, so it's kind of, it's kind of like a satire or like a send up of like that whole like exclusive foodie culture. Right. Which I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and and if it was just that, I think it would still be a really fun movie, but it's more than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> so like like everything seems pretty normal like when they first get so like the the restaurant is on like this secluded island that they can only <laughs> access by boat, like one specific boat. <laughs> wow. So like it starts out like pretty normal seeming at least. Like they're walking around, like they they get a tour of the island and they show them like here's where like we keep all the meat and here's like we grow all of our own vegetables. So they get like a tour and then but then like things start to seem a little weird. Okay. okay. Like things start to you, you slowly start to realize that, like, the relationship between this couple is not what it seems okay. or what you thought. And then, like, the other people who are there, like, the other diners at the restaurant, like, you get, like, little snippets of, like, what's going on in all of those relationships. And you're yeah. like, something's a little off here, right? Um, and then, um, then we meet the chef. Um, I forget the, sh- I forget his name. Like everybody just calls him chef, um, played by Voldemort. 
And yes. <laughs> he's so creepy. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason I thought he was eating people. Oh, okay. He's so creepy. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> well, like, I mean, that's not far off, honestly. Like, the message of the movie is eat the rich. So, like, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. So, I don't want to, like, say okay. a-, a lot more about it because I, I want you to watch it. Okay. Um, yeah. But it was really fun. So, like, it is, like, so, like, the movie is called the menu and then it like literally like shows you a menu like so like at each like kind of segment or like each like um like little part of the story they would like they would have like a title card pop up that says like first course and then like second course i love and then yeah and then it would like it would like pause like on each dish and like list out like listed out like it was a menu item yeah it was just like yeah oh that's that made fun. me happy <laughs> yes but it's definitely like a dark comedy Ooh. um with like some horror elements maybe I'll and watch also tonight also definitely had like a very like biting social commentary huh biting <laughs> yes. uh, look at that that's what that <laughs> look was at that. I can guarantee you that that was, if not in the elevator pitch, at least in like the first conversation that the writers had together. Like it had to have, yes. Um, Biting. I also just need to highlight that in my head when you were explaining like, this is where the meat is. For some reason that was led by Gene Belcher. So (laughs) (laughs) that's where that, my brain went was... Oh my gosh, Bob's Burgers. Bob Belcher would freak out if he got to go to this restaurant. (laughs) Aww. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to derail us, but that's just. No, 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 no. I love that. I love that. Sometimes you. I, in my soul, I am Gene Belcher. (laughs) So I'm. (laughs) Sometimes I love that. I think sometimes you notice your brain doing weird things and you're like that's how i visualize (laughs) Um, speaking of brains doing weird things yeah will you tell me about nope i mean we saw it together we saw it together for my birthday but we have not yet talked about it in this episode which seems like a crime so does let's talk about nope so nope um Nope is a Jordan Peele, which we love, um, <laughs> that we saw for my birthday. Um, Do you think if if Jordan Peele and Chelsea Peretti, um, if they named their t- their daughter Apple, <laughs> it'd be Apple Peel? Oh no, <laughs> Apple Peel. Oh, oh no, Apple Peel. Or. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Um, do they have kids? I feel like they have kids. I think they have at least one. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, go <Yeah>. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, nope um, is kind of, well, there's a few, like, the as as always with the Jordan Peele. 
there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but uh, at its center is this um, this family who have always trained horses um, and have this big ranch, and they train horses and then um, act as like the the horse wranglers and the horse trainers for popular movies and for Hollywood. Um, and they, it's you know, it's it's a funny one to try and like highlight the plot because it's so it's not very linear in a lot of ways um Mm -hmm. but at the core they start um they see this like you and jump in if i'm forgetting key details because i'm realizing Mm -hmm. my brain is mud um (laughs) but on this horse ranch they start to see um like evidence of ufos or or some sort of form of intelligent life um, some kind of disturbance yeah and or, so yeah and there's also obviously layers of um just different um racism in the hollywood sphere and how um the family has been treated um also like classism in in the hollywood sphere and kind of mm, talks yeah. about um those roles and how much Hollywood specifically um, needs you to prove that you're prove your worth all the mm-hmm. time. And like, if, if your worth isn't perceived um, as high, then people feel as though they can treat you um, horribly. So that's definitely at the forefront here. Um, but on the lighter, more fun side of things, um, they're trying to find this UFO. Um, and so they, they invite <laughs> they they invite this installation crew from like Best Buy or Fries, fries or Surprise. <laughs> I thought fries. it was yeah. Fries because that's <laughs> such an homage to LA because Fries is oh, such a There's a fry there's fries all over. Oh, that's interesting because that's so a part of my childhood. I just assumed. Yeah, Fries. So this guy comes in from Fries and sets up a, a cam and um and then you you find out because the horses start acting strange. So you find out um, there's also <laughs> horses are scary. Horses you know, are. You know the yes. remember the part in the ring where she's on the oh, boat oh, and the horse God. like freaks out and jumps over the side of the boat. Yeah, that scene is still with me to this day. Horses are scary. <laughs> that whole move. The visuals from that whole movie are still with me. Oh my freaking god! But um, so it's really like. I think we talked about it after we watched it, um, that it feels very different from other Jordan Peele movies. It feels a little more, um, I think, eclectic. It feels a little Mm. bit more, um, I wouldn't say whimsical. I would say... I feel like it's more, I feel like it's more of a slow burn. Yeah. Than, well... I mean, get out. It takes a while for you to figure out what's actually going on. Right. But but you still know, like, there's something shady. But, like, I don't know. I do feel like I agree that it feels different. And I think maybe it feels like, like, there's still definitely, like, a strong, like, kind of class or social commentary to it. But I feel like that's maybe more subtle in note than in yeah. his other two movies. Maybe that's why it feels different. I also, ap- absolutely. Um, I also think that Jordan Peele kind of 
leans into his um his sense of humor in this mm-hmm. one like there's he folds some, in the cheese he does <laughs> there's some very it feels like very quiet but very funny visual jokes mm-hmm. there's yeah. um some character based jokes in there it's really um it's really fun for one that I thought was maybe one of my um, not my favorite of his works. The more I think about it, the more that becomes untrue for me. So, yeah, um, I think it's his I, best to date, honestly. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I watch really the right. I really kind of... love um, Kiki Palmer and <gasps> Daniel Kaluuya as siblings because they're like. Them complete opposites and it's yeah. so great it's yeah <sighs> Kiki Palmer's performance is just she's incredible. so funny but she's so, so funny. like heartfelt yeah and like uh yeah and so sin- like sincere in her funniness which I think is absolutely like, like just sells it you know like uh she's so good absolutely and I think I think it also, um, it plays into, like, so go with me on this journey here, friends. But I would wager that when you're having, when you're in a really bad situation or when you're having a really bad day or a year or a couple of years, I think as a coping mechanism, your brain starts to point out the the ironically funny things mm-hmm. about the bad situation. Or you start to notice the elements of social um, behavior that are just ridiculous, but are accepted as the social norm. Or things like it's almost, humor becomes a coping mechanism. And I feel like mm. that's a through line in this movie is that it's not a good situation. It's not a good history. And also these, um, the, the evils or the villains are ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. and so, um, it just kind of, I, I love this movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, should we talk about. Try, try to do a quick book discussion. Yeah. Or do we need to make it quick? You know, <laughs> both of both of mine are aspirational. I haven't finished them. I want to hear about yours. You didn't finish your books? No, they're both aspirational, but I'm really excited about them. Oh. <laughs> they both sound amazing. Yeah, I can, like, so... The one that I had that I was really excited about was um, The Fires of Lust, Sex in the Middle Ages. And I'm so freaking excited for this book. Um, To my... I can't think of the word right now, but to not benefit to my um, defense, I do think it just <laughs> came out, but also I just never finish books. So, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that's me. Except wheel of time. Yeah, except Slow, wheel slowly of... but surely. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> but this book is exactly what it sounds like. I'm going for more of a nonfiction thing in 2023. Mm-hmm. I um, see. I see. Yeah. So it's it's a look at how how sex happened in the Middle Ages. Um, <laughs> I think how... it happens pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like the mechanics are pretty much the same no matter what century. Yeah. Right. Boys have. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, oh. <laughs> this is a family show. This um, is a family show. What are you? Not looking, really. What did? What did? <laughs> what did you enjoy this year? Um. So I had like kind of uh, a couple. Just like in the other media I consumed, the um, the books that I read, well, I mean, this is true of me, like, all the time. Like, I have, like, certain genres that I read a lot of. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Um, but so I read um, two uh, books this past year that I really loved that were Jane Austen inspired. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> that's my brand. Um, <laughs> so, um, the, well, this is really cool. I actually have like talked to the authors of both of those books. That's um, so cool. I know. I'm just like, Oh my God. Living my best life. So pride and protest by Nikki Payne is a modern retelling of pride and prejudice and it, again, brings in, like, which, like, you know, as I mentioned before, like, Pride and Prejudice is um, is a really, it, or, like, as a story, it's a framework that really lends itself well to discussing, um, uh, you know, social commentary and social justice. Um, and so, yeah. like, this um, Pride and Protest is very much leaning into that potential and it's so good and um and the author Nikki Payne like she's like hilarious like if you you should go like even if you don't read Pride and Protest go follow Nikki Payne on all okay. the social media she's so funny and so smart and yeah amazing and I got to do um a TikTok live with her <gasps> to promote her book like during its release week um that's so and cool, it's just Ryan. delightful yeah um, and then the other Jane Austen inspired book was The Murder of Mr. Wickham by Claudia Ooh. Gray, who I had known of before as an author of Star Wars books, like several oh. of the, like the best Star Wars books she's written. Um, but then she uh, turns out as also a Jane Austen fan, like she's living my best life, honestly. Cool. Like, <laughs> Um, and so she wrote The Murder of Mr. Wickham, which is a murder mystery involving um, characters from, like, all of Jane Austen's novels. Like, they all get together for a dinner party. And Mr. Wickham, who's the villain from Pride and Prejudice, um, is is murdered and they have to solve it. Um, oh, I love and, it. Uh, and she is coming out with a sequel, I think sometime in the spring, Um that sounds like it's going to be really fun too. So, yeah, lovely. So those were fun. Yeah. Um, and then I had a few other books on my list here, but the the one I really want to talk about is the Sea of Tranquility by Emily Sinjin Mandel, who's also the author of Station Eleven. Yeah. Um, which was the which I talked about the TV series or the mm-hmm. limited series based on Station Eleven um, last year in my best of twenty twenty one. Um, and so Sea of Tranquility, I think I was, I think, were you, 
You were with me when I was reading it, like, at Karina Bakery, I, I think. I was. That one time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, like, so, like, absorbed in this book. And you were, and I, like, kind of felt bad because, like, I wasn't talking to you. I was reading this book. Oh, I loved it. But it was... you were just so, like, you were so happy to just let me read my book. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is friendship. <laughs> it's lovely to watch someone you love reading something they love it was a very nice moment yeah yeah so see a tranquility um is so it was so uh this book was so good so it kind of ties together um so like it well like it outright has characters from um at least one of her other books um the glass hotel Um, so it, so it kind of ties, um, it ties together that story, but then it's also almost kind of a, it's almost kind of a meta narrative about Station Eleven. Um, cause there's, so there's a character in Sea of Tranquility who like is kind of an analog for the author, for, uh, Mandel. Okay. And... Um, so like the character is an author and she is like promoting or, or she's like on tour for this book that she wrote that's being adapted into a TV series. So it's kind of like, it's clearly like, um, like Mendel's own experience with like promoting Station Eleven when it was being adapted. Like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty blatant. But then she also (laughs) weaves in. (laughs) So like, it's so cool. So there's like time travel. (laughs) Oh, I feel like yeah. I feel like I really buried the lead there. There's time travel <laughs> in Sea of Tranquility, or like, or you know what? That might be a spoiler. I'm sorry. There, you don't find out that it's time travel until later, and I just ruined it. I'm so sorry. But anyway, <laughs> no, you're good. But it like so like it starts in like the early 20th century, and there's like a chapter following this character, and then it jumps ahead a hundred years. Uh-huh. To um to like 2020, right before um the COVID pandemic hits. <gasps> yeah. But there's like somebody in that timeline is talking to a person who's like, oh, who like seems to know a lot about COVID for you know for it being February of 2020. Right. But anyway. <laughs> um and so then like so I think this happens like like three or possibly four times where you jump ahead a hundred years and the Uh characters are like kind of living out like parallel stories to the characters from a hundred years before. And then there's like other, there's like this other character who's kind of like woven in throughout all of them. And then it's, uh, it's just, it's so good. Uh, I haven't. Yes. It's really good. It sounds really good. (laughs) I'm sorry that I, I, uh, that that's, that that's my, that's my summation. It's good. (laughs) No, I love it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, um, what are we, we, we're going to be like over two hours. I apologize. Um, but what are we excited? What are we excited for in 2023? Uh, um, what is 2023? Is it a concept? Is uh, it a- <laughs> Oh my gosh. 
Um, so many things. Um, mm-hmm. I every single time that I see the commercial for Megan, I oh my and gosh, laugh and I'm so yes! excited. We have to go see that. <laughs> we that's one specifically that I need to be in a theater laughing yes. with you in order yep. to watch it. Yeah, um, maybe we could convince Anna to come with us, but she doesn't I, like scary movies. But I don't. But think I feel this like is scary. I don't. Yeah, I feel like this would be. Yeah, this, it would we be got, fine. <laughs> next lady date, we got to do this. Um, <gasps> for those who don't know. <laughs> oh, where do we even? Megan, it looks like, it honestly looks like kind of an update of like, um, what's the movie with Chucky, Child's Play? Like, yeah. it's, it's, like it's a doll that, that comes to life and yeah. murders people. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> and just the way that the design, the character design for Megan yeah. makes me laugh. And the way that she, like, the way that she moves and the way uh-huh. that she, like, opens her eyes. It's very funny. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited for that. That comes out next month, I think. I think oh, next yeah. month. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, what else? What are you excited about? I did put um, at the very um, bottom of our of our notes. <laughs> I linked a couple of articles with like anticipated things, and then I listed out some possibilities as well. Yeah. Um. So, like, I think. Of all of these things, I'm most excited for the Barbie movie. Yes! <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not I'm not thrilled about the choice to cast Ryan Gosling as Ken. I don't think that fits at all. Yeah. But you know what? I'm I'm willing to give it a try. I'm I'm willing to let him win me over. Okay. But we'll see. Um, yeah yeah I'm super excited for the Barbie movie Um, and also the Dungeons and Dragons movie yeah I think the choice to make it like kind of a screwball comedy in the world of Dungeons Uh and Dragons was like such a good one because I think I mean I I don't know if it was or not I haven't seen the movie yet but I think that will turn out to have been a good choice well, I'm I also excited about that. I also think that that's a lot of what people go to play Dungeons and Dragons are looking for. Um, sure, they're like they don't take live... it too seriously. No, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just I think that um, that can be a really important um, distinction, and so um, yeah, I think that that's a really important. Uh, take that they're doing there. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the color purple reboot or not reboot. Um, the movie revisiting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. Um, because it's doing specifically the musical, which I makes me cry every time. Mm. Um, and then on a different note. I am confused uh-huh. by Legally Blonde three. What? what? Yeah. What? what? Why? Why? What? 
uh, so are you looking at the was it the um the rotten the tomatoes article, you looked, article? Yeah. so according to that um reese witherspoon and um jennifer coolidge are yeah. both back uh which are the heart of that movie I, yeah, jennifer coolidge i, I love her um, Makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> um, she is so funny. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I'm what? Like, uh, I kind of feel the same way about, if I'm being honest, about Indiana Jones 5. I'm like. I'll be honest that when I, I mean, saw that on the list, I laughed. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to watch it. Oh, but totally. I'm, at this point, I'm like, Harrison Ford, what are you? What? You're too old, man. What are you? T- <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? He has on? such a like. It's so funny to me how he is so like overprotective of Indiana Jones that like he will not even <laughs> like let anyone think about playing the role of Indiana Jones. But then with Han Solo, he's like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, like he, he hated that character anyway. So like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty funny. But yeah, I mean I'm gonna watch Indiana Jones Five. I liked the fourth movie. Hot yeah. take. So I'm gonna watch the fifth one. Yeah. You know, like willing to be willing to enjoy it. Um but yeah, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. What I'm... about TV? Oh yeah. Uh yeah oh i thought you saw i thought you thought you were like oh this one i forgot but i i also just love being sung to Um, (laughs) oh the mayfair witches looked really cool oh yes that does look interesting the photos the like initial concept photos and stuff that are being released look really awesome with that actress who's in everything but i don't know her name i don't sorry I don't really know, like, I haven't seen very much about it, so I don't really even know, like, what what the premise is, or, like, right. if it's based on, is it based on something, or, like... I think so. Um, I think I even looked it up, and I don't remember. Um, but mm. we'll, we'll look into it. Yeah, we'll um, report back. <laughs> yeah, we'll... Um, I am both um, comforted by and terrified about that 90s show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know. mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love Kitty. I love her so much. Um, Mm. I don't know that I'll watch it, but I do. I just glad she's getting some work. Um, (laughs) Right. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Glad to see Michael Caine working again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, History's Greatest Heists, as uh, with Pierce Brosnan on the History Channel. Right. I, I must watch this. That sounds amazing. This feels important to me. Um, uh-huh. um you know what, Aaron? Yeah. Shadow and Bone season two. Oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That's happening. 
I gotta go back and watch season one. I, you know, I fall asleep in everything, in literally yeah. everything. It's a problem. Yeah. Um, I gotta. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, what just came out today, I think, is season two of Ginny and Georgia. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that they were doing a season two. (laughs) I didn't either. Like the other day when I saw it um, on the Netflix menu, it was like, season two comes out. (laughs) Johnny Waterfoot. That's what it sounded like in my head. Um, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, okay, so here's the thing, um, possibly, um, The Acolyte will come out in 2023, but it might not be till 2024, but I have fingers crossed for 2023. Okay, yeah. I'm very excited about that one. Yeah. Like, that's... I don't really care about anything else in Star Wars right now except for the Acolyte. <laughs> now that Andor is so- over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want the Acolyte. Please. Please give it to me. <laughs> so what shall that explore? What so is- that... So this is really... This is like... There's so many things about this that are exciting to me. So it's taking place um, during, like... I think it's during the High Republic period, which is like hundreds of years before um, the Phantom Menace. So it's like yeah. before before all of the movies, basically, like hundreds of years before all of that. Um, and it's going to explore like the Sith and the dark side more <gasps> than than a lot of other more than like most other um, Star Wars stuff has. Mm. And it's also the showrunner is Leslie Headland, who you may have heard of from a uh-huh. little show called Russian Doll. Yeah. So I'm Okay, I'm excited. sold. I'm gonna maybe I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm there. That's And the amazing. cast looks amazing. Amantla Stenberg and um uh what Jody Turner Smith and Manny Jacinto. Excellent. I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a good year. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I just jinxed it, you guys. I'm sorry. Oh no. Aaron, <laughs> it's gonna be a terrible year, you guys. There's nothing to look forward to. Gosh, Don't even darn it bother being don't even bother with your excitement don't even don't even do it don't no okay um (laughs) so yeah uh i think yeah it's exciting yeah and that was our year that was our year And, and things yeah Oh, you know what? We we didn't plan to talk about this, and maybe we have gone too long now. But <laughs> um, what was your favorite um, topic that we talked about for the podcast yeah. in 2022? Same wavelength. I was kind of thinking about that today <laughs> as I was going coming home. Um I think we had a really fun year all around. Um, I Mm -hmm. really, um, oh my gosh, suddenly I'm, you go first and then I will (laughs) join you after. Um, 
Ooh. I mean, it could, this could just be because it's like fresh, but I really enjoyed Narnia. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Was, was Pirates <laughs> this year? What? Was our Pirates of the Caribbean this year or last no. year? It was last that was year. 2021. Yeah. Really <laughs> to me. Um, they're all blending in. They oh, are. No. Yeah. So we talked about, um, I know we talked about Bridgerton in 2022. Yeah. Um, we also, I think that was in, you know what? Let me pull up. Oh, our I have it feed. too. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's pull up our feed because that will show us. Um, bum, 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 bum. The Woman in the House. Uh huh. Um, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Gilmore Girls Revisited. You know what? That was great. That was really fun. We did some international films in the summer. We uh, did. Bob's Burgers, New Girl, The Matrix. Bridgerton, Devil Wears Prada. You know what? I really liked our Bob's Burgers. I thought that yeah. was really fun. Um, I also liked the origin story for that episode that we were set to do something else. Yeah. And then we were like, hey, we haven't really done yeah. any like animated series. <laughs> Why don't we just... And we both really love this. And it feels really different than other things that we explore. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. I also, you know what, we had, um, we had, um, the bonus on, um, fantasy, femininity, and power for my birthday bonus. Yeah. And then your birthday bonus on, um, like, women in, like, I think it was, like, women of New York in, my like, grandmother. the 20th century. It was just on my grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you said that you were gonna, like... You you were like writing something. Yeah, that was inspired by her. Are you still writing that? Yeah, I'm still picking it up every so often. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's exciting. But yeah, I loved both of those episodes, and I felt like they kind of like dovetailed with each other nicely, yeah. but also like they were each distinctly like like my my birthday episode was distinctly me and yours was distinctly yeah. you but they totally. were like the meeting in the middle <laughs> absolutely yeah. that was fun i think this year as a whole i think we kind of explored um like alternate avenues than we than we usually do where we kind of mm-hmm. just i think we took some some strolls and some journeys that felt a little new for us this year which was don't make unnecessary journeys (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what a big highlight was for me was our um our summer um the international series international films that we hadn't ever seen before yeah that was really fun because it was it was surprising to see how many of the movies were really good, even though mm-hmm. we walked into them without really knowing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun. I think Wajda, for me, was the standout of I, the movies we watched. I recommend that to everyone now. Yes, it's so good. 
I got some of my bosses to watch that. They were like, oh, nice. oh, what do you watch? And I was like, watch this. And they came back to me and they were like, oh my gosh, what an amazing movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. I watched. And then watched. she kind of became a character in our in some of our um, future episodes because we would be like, what would Wajda think about uh-huh. this? <laughs> How would watch to feel about this? How would watch to she, feel? Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, it's we're over two hours now. Okay. Yeah. We are that podcast. But you know what? It's a bonus it's episode. A so bonus. it's okay. It's okay. It can be a little longer. Um yeah. well any any closing thoughts? Just that, you know, I'm really excited for what we have coming up next. Um, I'm excited for this um, beginning of 2023 because I think we're going to explore some fun topics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also excited to kind of dip into some rom-coms for spring. Florals for spring. How original. Groundbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Maybe we'll have Stanley. Yeah, so Feb- February, I think we have, um, we have a rom com. What are we doing for March? I don't know that we ever decided. Let Did me, we ever decide? Maybe let not. Me it's jump okay. In there, uh, we don't need for, to know right now. <laughs> for March, I have it. I actually have it up. Um, oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Um, for March, we are doing um, the Green Knight. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's going to be good. That'll be fun. January, Stranger Things. February, To All the Boys. Yeah. March, The Green Knight. We got a real mixed bag here. I'm excited. We do. And then there's kind of some rom-com leanings throughout the rest of the year. So I think that'll Mm -hmm. be fun. Wait, what did we Uh, say for, what what do we have for April? A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. Okay. Because baseball season. And then for May, we have <laughs> something light and possibly rom-com-y such as, and then we have a list. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Or maybe, you know what, maybe in May we do something like sci-fi action-y. That sounds good. I don't know. That could be fun, too. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, listeners. We shall worry, figure listeners. it out. We'll figure. Um. But yes, please let us know what your favorite movies, TV, books, etc. Yeah. of 2022 were. Yeah. And I'm not kidding about sending us a voice message and no. we will play it on the show. We like, will. I'm not, I'm not joking. Do that, please. And yeah, I think that's yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm starving. I am too. <laughs> I need to go eat some food. So we should wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> thanks for another fun year, listeners. Um, and we'll see you in, in the rest of January. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye now. Bye. Have, have fun. Have, <laughs> have, have fun. fun. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have, fun. have fun. Have fun and be careful. Okay. <laughs> yes. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.